Hello, everyone. Welcome to our first episode of the Ampleverse Book Club, ABC. Easy as one, two, three. I am your host, RJ, and with me, as always, is uh, Allie. Beautiful Allie, as she is named in our <laughs> Zencaster recording. Hi, Allie. I, I have never changed it. I started as Beautiful Allie, and I will remain Beautiful Allie. And you will forever be Beautiful Allie. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So just a quick like little rundown of what's going on. We used to do these book club episodes on the Popsicle, but I was like, I think we could do this as like its own thing. The first spinoff of the Popsicle, you know, we we love supporting new content. (laughs) Um, That way we can kind of open this up. So if there are any other like Ampleverse people that want to join us on our book club, we can. But this is going to be off the cuff. We are just, I'm not editing at all. It is just our convo posting on YouTube and we're just letting everyone have it. So I'm very excited. I know Allie's the right person for that because she loves loves to be off the cuff. I love an opinion, especially when it's mine. Exactly. Exclusively when it's mine. Exclusively when it's our opinions. But okay, so this month we read... The novel Good Company by Cynthia Dupree Sweeney. I will say, I mean, aesthetics alone, I really loved the cover. The cover is so pretty. Love the deep blue. It had very little to do with the book. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know what exactly (laughs) these flowers had to do with the story, but it's beautiful, gorgeous. If I was going, if I was running to my flight, but I was like, oh, I need to grab a book at the Hudson News. Mm-hmm. I would pick this up because of this cover, which I'm sure was probably it's a, nice cover. a major factor <laughs> in the design. That's why Jenna picked it. That's why Jenna picked it. Our good friend Jenna. <laughs> um, okay. Let me just read you real quick the jacket copy, um, and then we'll just dive right into this conversation. Flora Mancini has been happily married for more than 20 years, but everything she thought she knew about herself, her marriage, and her relationship with her best friend Margot is upended when she stumbles upon an envelope containing her husband's wedding ring, the one he claimed he lost one summer when their daughter Ruby was five. Flora and Julian struggled for years, scraping together just enough acting work to raise Ruby in Manhattan and keep Julian's small theater company good company afloat (gasps) a move to los angeles brought their first real career success a chance to breathe easier and a reunion with Margot, now a bona fide television star but has their new life been built on lies (gasps) what happened that summer all those years ago and what happens now with Cynthia Dupree Sweeney's signature tenderness, humor, and insight, Good Company tells a big-hearted story of the lifelong French relationships that both wound and heal us. Good Company. Um, I Full disclosure, the reason why I found out this book existed was because Cynthia Dupree Sweeney is the book club guest that uh, appears on one of our favorite podcast uh, personalities show, Rana Glickman. She's on Ask Rana every month. She does the she does the book club oh, with her. Okay. So when she was like, Oh yeah, I'm working on a book too, I was like, Oh, you know, I've heard about Cynthia so much and blah blah blah. And they actually did talk a little bit about the book um, okay. when it came out. Um, and it was funny because Rana was like, when I read the line Shades of Cafe Olay, I immediately thought, like, you wrote that, that's me, because famously Rana Glickman is Shades of Vanilla. Shades so. of Vanilla. So I do like I kind of want to start there because I feel like that's the that's the aura and the energy around this book. Very Rana. Yes. This is a Rana. It's read. a Rana book. Rana would love this. Rana and she did. Rana loved this book. Okay. Well, I'm happy for Rana. I <laughs> I'm hesitant to be. Ooh turn my phone off oh my gosh oh. amateur hour over here <laughs> um no editing Allie I said it and so it I, has know, to I know I know um I felt very quickly that I was not the right demographic for this book 
<laughs> it was, and it makes sense to me that Ronna Glickman would love this because she does very much fit within the mold of someone who would enjoy the book. Yes. And someone I, who goes to Martha's Vineyard. Yes. Someone who, yes, absolutely. That, yes. that clientele. Yes. A well-appointed home, a group yes. of, you know, adult friends. Mm-hmm. I just... It, I could not, and you know, I don't think this is a good way to go through life, but like I couldn't relate to any of the characters. That was my biggest thing. I was like, this is really unrelatable to me, but I think that's just, and it's not like a malicious thing. It's just like, this is just a life that I, I don't think I wanted. I may, there are may parts about it that I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's fun. But I don't have that like gene in me of like, I want to know what that life is like. You right. know what I mean? Because there are people right. who like will watch like the Bravo shows and like stuff like that who want to see how people that – and not like these people are like any like rich or anything, but they're very successful. Well, Margo is. Margo is. Margo is yes. full glam. So Margo it's like – Yes. So it's like I just – I don't have that gene in me of like, oh, I just want to watch like Kardashians all night because I want to see how rich people live. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't – don't need that space. And so with that said, I personally didn't like the book that much. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that it's not a good book. I'm sure yeah. that there are people that would really enjoy it and people who can find themselves in the situations, people who have been married for 20 years, people who mm-hmm. have this long-standing group of friends or have gone through this kind of push and pull of, you know, uh just big life changes. Yeah, and like couples' yeah. career choices and yeah. raising a child and things like that. I think that it would probably hit home for a lot of people. For mm-hmm. me, it wasn't that. So. Yeah, I feel like we're still in that age of like we're not there yet. Right. Mat- not maturity, but like we're just not in that place in our life yet where it's like easy breezy. Like, like it doesn't feel easy right now. So Yeah, yeah. Um, I do feel like there are the things that I did end up relating with are like some of the like theater conversations, obviously, like Mm -hmm. the way that Flora described theater people in New York and even like the way Margot does it, too, of like comparing L.A. actors and people to like, you know, East Side people and actors. Mm -hmm. And there were many moments where I was like, theater people are the worst. We are so obnoxious. Mm -hmm. We are like... And I, I always think about, like, what would have happened, like, if I did pursue just, like, being a full-time actor. And it's like, oh, my God, I don't think I would have liked my personality <laughs> because I would have been so annoying. Not to say that theater people – I mean, I and that's the thing with theater people. It's like, yes, I understand. Like, I feel like we as theater people understand that that's part of the – the whole thing we have to play with the game we have to be mm-hmm. like invested because it's like a gig after gig and we are a lot I understand I think we all understand yeah I think there was a line in the book that was something about um you know how actors keep their emotions a lot closer to the surface mm-hmm. than anybody else does and I thought that was a really good description of yeah 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 but there were moments too of like even when like you know the conversations that they had about running the theater which like didn't really become wasn't like a major plot point it was like part of the plot that like they left the the theater company um like just me as a person who like I do run like a small theater organization that we're also kind of like now we're all in different parts of the world like how do we kind of like evolve the theater and what do we do now? I did kind of like relate to that of like, you know, when people's lives change, there was the line that Julian said that like good company, the theater was a family, but he didn't Mm -hmm. expect to actually start his own family with Flora and, you know, with Ruby that it ended up, that became his priority. So I was like, Oh yeah. Like, I think that's, that's kind of what I took away from it. It's that like, you really have to be a person that wants to do this full time if you want to like really, I don't know, like pursue running a theater. And for me, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, like I can still be a patron of the arts and be a patron of theater without having to actually be the person running a, a theater group. Um, sure. So I related with that. And like, 
I think there was, it was just so much like coastalness. Like there was so much, if I wasn't in, in New York, I was in LA. And as a person who has not lived in either coast, mm-hmm. I'm fully just like, this is a life I will never have. I cannot relate to this life. I am stuck in the middle. Yeah. And and there's there's a very like none of the characters are really ambivalent about it. They're all like mm-hmm. have a very hard opinion one way or the other. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's it's a lot of of feuding and actor things. Yeah. There was there was a there are a lot of moments, and I texted you about it too. There were a lot of moments too where I caught myself being like, I'm sorry, who is this person? Who there's just yes. so many names. And I think they obviously I think that's on purpose to be like, this is the world that they live in. It, you know, in LA, you're always seeing people, you're always meeting names and characters and blah blah blah. And in New York, it's like, oh, these are all old friends and people know each other from this and that. But there was a lot of like as long as I remember that it is Flora, Julian, Ruby, Margot, David, I'm fine. Every yeah. other name that comes up, I'm like, I can just keep going. Because <laughs> I did lose sight of it. And I was like, I can't keep track of all of these names. Yeah. I will say in terms of it, it, the, the narrative structure was interesting to me, especially after having read uh, – What's mine and uh, yours? What's mine and yours? The, the last exactly. book selection, um, because that at least the like the year was on the chapter, and so you could yes. kind of go back and look. And this was just like a free for all, mm-hmm. which was you just kind of had to use context clues to be like, mm-hmm. okay, so this is pre Ruby, or this is post Ruby, pre LA, or um, I I kind of to me because I'm a really talented writer and I know everything about <laughs> writing a successful novel and yes, am a you know best-selling, yeah. New York Times bestselling author. Absolutely. If I had structured it, I would have done it so that we introduce the main characters, Flora finds the ring, and then we would have gone to when she and Julian met and then mm-hmm. moved forward mm-hmm. in time Move to forward. then and then finish the rest of it. To me, that's... I feel like it would have been easier to read. I don't know if it would have changed the impact of certain events. Yeah. Um, like I think, I think that it could have been the the whole thing with Flora finding the ring and then Margot having the interview with the interviewer mm-hmm. asking her about the the Jensens. And so then you know you have enough suspense for both of them to be yes. like, what's going Agreed. on. That's so that's my there was a long time opinion. like the first hundred pages I was waiting for it. I'm like, when are we gonna get to what I'm supposed to be looking for? And when mm-hmm. the ring was introduced, the entire time I was like, I I was literally doing like criminal minds math in my mind. Like, what does this ring mean? Like, is it because I was like, why would he put a ring? tucked away and it explained later on and I feel like as it explained it's just like oh it's just straight white men not knowing how to lie like I got okay that's just straight men not knowing how to cover up their lies got it okay (laughs) that's just incompetence but like yeah it it, I think the pacing for me too like it I I guess I don't know like this is a new thing for me of reading a book every month but like I can't recall other books that are like this of like or of like I'm telling a story and then in that story I I like see a detail and all of a sudden I spring into that the yeah. full memory of that detail. <clears throat> and reading it I'm like wait, oh I'm in a flashback right now. Okay, got it. Yeah. It was kind of stream of consciousness in that way and mm-hmm. I felt like especially with Flora where she would be talking about something and then have something come into her mind and all of a sudden and that was kind of part of the character early on they said yeah, something about yeah. how you know she when she was living things that she thought was going to be important she would like tell herself remember this this is important mm-hmm. um yeah and I think like in a way that's that really did define like her character because like she was truly someone who was just racked with like, I mean, mama loved to compartmentalize. She had one, one thing and it just completely clouded her for months. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Can I say just one thing really quickly? The entire book 
I was picturing, do you want to, this is my, my mental image of Flora. And I can't tell you why was Brittany Murphy in Clueless. Oh my God. But like her, that character aged now or like Brittany Murphy. I mean, just generally like in, in her early twenties, I was like, it's absolutely, she's Thai in Clueless. Like that's, that was just like the curly hair and just like, Mm -hmm. like spunky. I was like, this is her. Yeah. This is You're a virgin who can't drive. That's my best tie. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's. (sighs) Well, so what I was going to recommend, and Mm -hmm. you can take this, because to me, like, it's not, it's not interesting to listen to people be like, well, I didn't like this and I didn't like this. So I thought that we could talk about like the themes and the major. Okay. Yes. Um, Because I think that there are discussions that can be had there. But I do want to mention, completely disregarding what I just said, I do want to mention <laughs> the scene. I So I texted you yesterday. Yes, you texted me saying, I, said, I just hit this scene and I cannot am, wait to talk to you I'm about it. And I'm screaming about it. The scene. I, I still, I'm honestly, I just, when she is in New York and she decides to confront her old therapist... I I'm not normally a secondhand embarrassment cringy person, but I wanted to crawl out of my skin in that scene. Not yeah. only the fact that she has gone to the therapist's office and is waiting and outside stood there and waited stood there and waited. Out. And then when she came outside, she was like, wait, let me come talk to you and started delving into this outside of office hours and then sat down <laughs> Okay, outside of office hours and was trying to get this woman to emotionally support her for free on her day mm-hmm. off and then to say, I just don't think it's very ethical that you didn't tell me this. That's what therapy is, Flora. It would have been unethical for her to tell you. I think like I am completely understanding that in the narrative structure, this was the way to show that Flora hits rock bottom. Right. This was like truly like the rock bottom for her to actually be able to say something so embarrassing for her to realize like, okay, I need to actually like figure out what I want to do here. I think because it's us and like very, you know, very millennial mental health advocacy, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like we know the rules. We know. Yes. Respect (laughs) this woman. Respect this woman who was just doing her job. But yes, I haven't fully seen was you like, in like 10 years. Haven't seen you in 10 years, but but super quick. Can I just ask, was it unethical of you to not tell me that he disclosed that he had an affair? I'm like, I, what are you talking about? I could not believe I I honestly I was like, I I I literally I just wanted to crawl out of my skin. I was like, this scene is awful. And then for her to 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 like attack her for saying or to be like you know you told me to stop coming to therapy before I was ready I was like girl you were in New York City how many therapists do you think there are there are 10 therapists on every corner in New York City you kook go find a new one if you didn't think that you were ready to be done, then go find a new one and find another person or tell the therapist hey I actually don't think I'm ready yeah Oh God, RJ, I, I could, I could have really done without that whole subplot. It was really funny. I was truly trying to figure out what scene you kept talking about because I was like, I bet it's the the therapist one because it is so cringy. But I was trying to like figure out like, I wonder what it was. I was like, is it the stroke? Is it David? No, no, no. It was the therapy thing. And even the way that it came about, that it was like it became like a trendy thing, and everybody was in therapy. And so Flora was like, I don't know, maybe I need therapy, despite the fact that like. Listen, if you want therapy, more power to you. But like in the couple, like it was very clear that Julian was the one who needed therapy. And yet Flora was like, I don't know. I'm just going through what every person goes through when they're in their mid 30s and have a child. Like. Girl, it was. uh, (laughs) Girl. Okay, I know that was that was rock bottom. I was like, oh, girl, don't do this. She's trying to go to freaking Trader Joe's. My yes. God, let her, let this yes. woman shop. <laughs> yes. 
Let her go to Whole Foods in peace. <laughs> oh my god. Here's here's what I want to talk about because as I was reading this, it also made me think of um, the last five years, and mm-hmm. I um, very I guess infamously have always sided with Jamie. Yes. In that musical, which I know many people are like, fuck you a for that. A very controversial choice. Yes, absolutely. Sorry for saying the F word. Um, <laughs> I mean, but, I don't, well, we might as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but b- because I think this is very much, you're seeing, you're definitely more attuned to Flora and what she's going mm-hmm. through and how she's feeling. We do get some of Julian, but most of it is Flora. And I I think one of the things that came back again and again was all of these sacrifices that she made for Mm -hmm. Julian, where she was like, well, I moved across the country because you got this job in LA. And, and then it started to be like little things like I stopped going to church and all like all of your friends became my friends and all of these Mm -hmm. things. And that's something to me that I think it's it's different because like these characters are prob- like pretty firmly Gen X, I would think. Yeah. And it's I yeah. think it's definitely a different viewpoint for us as like younger millennials of being like, if you if your man does something that you don't want to do, then don't do it. End it. Do you know it. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like don't stand yeah. by your man. Or like talk about it. Or like yeah. just literally say like, hey, I don't yeah. want to do this. And so I, I'm interested to hear what you think, because in that respect, as she was going through that, I was feeling like, okay, but he didn't, he didn't make you, you like you made those decisions. You could have mm-hmm. said, I don't want to do that. And, and yet you're blaming Julian for it. So I'm curious to hear what you think as a, as a, as a, a known woman hater who always sides with the man. <laughs> I mean, I will say I- during the, during the whole thing, I think what, th- not threw me off, but what kept me kind of like, this is clearly someone that's not my generation, is the whole, I took it more as the infidelity part of it, because it's like, the infidelity and the act of, of Julian being, whatever, having an affair, to me, just felt like if... I don't know. It just felt like, I don't want to say like it wasn't a big deal, but I, I, you know, I'm also saying that as someone who's not in a heterosexual marriage with a child. So I'm not Mm -hmm. in this situation, but there was always the, I don't know, like there's like a weird thing of like Flora being like, well, you know, what's going to happen. But like I said, if it ever did, then blah, 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 blah. And it already did happen once. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it, it just, I don't know. I just, I just felt very much like if this was a, a couple in our generation now, I feel like we would be a lot more open to talking about like, look, I I can go into this this relationship with you, but maybe I'm not mar- ready to get married, or like mm-hmm. uh, maybe I, you know, whatever. Like maybe it can be open. Like I feel like there's more choice now of how a relationship is formed. It's not as strict as it used to be, and I think that probably is the but but that's the thing I don't think that's what Julian wants it's not like he wants like an open relationship but I think there's just they put so much weight they even called it his original sin like they put so Mm -hmm. much weight into this act that like I feel like you ask couples now of like I don't think that would be the the killer. I think obviously it's the lack of communication and the lying that is the bigger issue than the actual act of it. But I don't know. I that that's kind of where my headspace was at in like the generational difference. But yes, mm-hmm. I do feel like there could have been a little bit more agency with Flora, but also like I don't her character didn't really I feel like she didn't really know what she wanted to do anyway. So it was kind yeah. of like then I'll just follow along Julian because she she waited for something to happen and and react whether she liked it or not until mm-hmm. in order for her to decide. So she waited until good she was working in good company when she realized, oh, I, I actually don't really want to be a part of this because I feel like I'm not, I don't know, like it's not fulfilling to me the way it does for Julian and Ben. Or like I'm I'm not as fulfilled in doing shows as I do as Margot does. Uh, mm-hmm. I just I want to I want to voice my little commercials and that's it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It's and I think that's also something that I just I don't find myself like as a person that just doesn't want kids. Mm-hmm. I I totally respect when people are like I I want I because she was saying, you know, I never got to see Ruby. I only got to put her to bed like one or two nights a week. And yeah. to me, to me, I don't understand that desire of like having a child and wanting to be with them. And so I couldn't really relate to that. So when she was like, that's the reason, you know, I just really wanted to be with Ruby and I wanted to spend more time with her. I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, that's fine. And I respect that. But I, I just could never, um, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, it's not, it's not for me. It's not clicking for me. It's not clicking for me. And then, and, and I think it was interesting to see it kind of juxtaposed with Margot and David. I will say David was my favorite character. Um, yeah, I was, he was really the most like scared. I know. I was really scared something was going to happen that like he was also a monster or he did something yeah. bad. And I was like, I'm just glad that he actually is a good person. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. Um, I Yeah, I think of all – like David was definitely the most likable of, mm-hmm. I guess, the main five. And yeah. I just think it's interesting – to have the comparison of him and Margot versus Julian and Flora, where these are people who are in two totally different industries and are getting together as a couple and um, are very much, they just seemed to be like very independent people. And what I, what I found to be interesting was that in a sense, Margot did move for mm-hmm. David because they wanted to get out of New York. She knew that David mm-hmm. didn't really like being there. So in a sense, she did also make that move, but she was also able to find her own world in making that move. Like, she, yeah. you know, they didn't do it until they both had something, even though it was like a tragedy that ended up you know, being the catalyst for it. Yeah. Where, it whereas, was, and I did not expect that. Like when it happened, I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> that's so dark. So it's dark. So dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I also just like that David wasn't, he didn't just give up. I, and that mm-hmm. was the thing that I kind of felt like with Flora was that she just kind of like gave up and just like yeah. settled into where she was where he was like, okay, well I, I, I've lost my dream of being this surgeon, but here is another way that I can find fulfillment, which was the Mm -hmm. stroke clinic. And so, and I feel like that was a difference of like Flora being like, okay, well, I can't find my dream of successfully being on Broadway. I I don't know. Yeah. She like settled into it and then was like, oh, this is nice. And it, it did sound like she was always convincing herself that like, no, I like it. I like mm-hmm. this. I like what I'm doing right now. Because even mm-hmm. when she was in New York, that at the end of the book, she was kind of like, she was kind of saying it in a way that like, I want to like, I don't want to tell them that my life in LA is good because there are people in New York and they are always going to be like, yeah, but you don't, you know, you're not in the excite, exciting yeah. thing of theater here. So yeah, it just, I never felt that she bought like, she actually was happy with her life. So when it did end up at the end where she's like, the big conclusion was essentially, I just need some time for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, great, girl, you should have done that years ago. <laughs> Honestly, I think the other the other big arc of it all that I, I found compelling, if not necessarily agreeable, was the relationship between Flora and Margot. And... Yeah. It's always interesting to me in these situations because I always, I always feel like female friendship is such a many layered thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so many different facets to it. And so the big thing here was that Margot knew that uh, Julian had cheated and didn't tell Flora and mm-hmm. Flora felt very slighted by that. And it was to her was like a completely she like wanted to end the friendship. And I think what's interesting to me and what's portrayed many times is is this thing where 
the the woman who was wronged tries to make it work with the husband, but doesn't try to make it work with the friend. And I think yeah. it's so interesting to me the the standards that we hold people to in the different roles of our lives, mm-hmm. where it's like, is she holding Margot to a different standard because they've been friends for so long and she expected better? Is it because you know, she has lower expectations for Julian because he's a man. Like what's going on there that she's, she's willing to work on it with Julian, but is really, really reluctant and like, don't contact me. It's as if, it's as if Margot was like the other woman, which she wasn't. Yeah. But acted as if she was the other woman. And she was like, you were lying to me this entire time. And for my, from my understanding, Margot was fully like, I don't want to discuss further. You just need to end this right now because yeah. if I know, if I find out that you're still doing this, I will tell her and I it will end your life. So <laughs> just stop it right now. Here's your stupid ring back and just stop it. Which I feel like, I don't know. I feel like if I was in the situation of Margot, I feel like I, that's what I would have done too. I would have been yeah. like, I don't want I don't want to be part of this. I do, I wouldn't have felt like I was now owed or I owed Flo, to tell Flora f- I don't know mm, now I'm saying that I'm like uh, I don't know. But wasn't it interesting though kind of like seeing Flora just fully spiral. I mean, I'm sure interesting may not, I think interesting is a good word. I'm sure for you it's like <laughs> I'm tired of it. But for me, it was like, it was just fascinating to see how much one person can just completely just keep it all in their brain. Uh, Like it was just all in here, but she was moving at such a rapid pace of assumptions and Mm -hmm. big statements and like decisions of like, I will never talk to Margo again. Mm -hmm. I have to tell Ruby this. I have to tell Julian this. Like, well, and it was so exhausting. It was interesting to me because. I felt like her her gripe with everyone in the book became they're being so selfish. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of it, I was like, you're kind of being selfish in these moments too. Where you're, yeah. you know, you're expecting people to to kind of bow to you. And like when she was saying, when she was talking about like Maud choosing Julian over her, and then she was talking about Margot choosing Julian over her. I was like, but do you understand how you're, you're being selfish in this situation and thinking that people have to, to, you know, tell you this information and that you're somehow entitled to know it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. There's like something that you are owed. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, one of the big things I do want to talk about yes. is that they wrote Sydney, the other woman. Yes. So Sydney is a monster, yeah. like a full walking demon. And yeah. I'm like, why? Why is she such a demon? Like, I don't understand why the choice was to make her so much like a horrible human being. I was like, would that help? Like, I- you know what I mean? Like, it's like, did we need to kind of like personify a villain in an, in that? Per- like, I understand, I understand the going through of like, okay, maybe you're in a, in a relationship, like in a long relationship and you want to like, whatever. But like the active choice to make her like truly the most horrible human being in the world. And like, yeah. what was the point of that? Did we need to just like, just so we could point a finger at someone but like yeah well and it is especially like the idea of the other woman always being a demon where it's like listen what I'm not saying she's a good person but I'm just saying that like you don't need to just because she's the other woman you don't need to create like a um a caricature of yeah of you know because it really, that's what Sydney was, is like everyone, like uh, the worst nightmare. She was of like, the worst sexual, nightmare for everyone. And yeah. she wanted Julian to leave Flora and, you know. Was a terrible like person to work with. He was an ex. Yeah. It's like, did we need all of this? Like, because uh, I was like, if there's a point of trying to like name a person and like name 
the other woman as like an actual character. If we're trying to be like, no, it mattered that it was this person. I wish there was a bigger purpose of it rather than just being like, she's the scum of the earth. Because yeah. it was like, if it was someone that was a friend or if it was some, you know, I I was so scared that it was going to be Margot. I, really I was too. Oh my God. I was so too. Scared. I, I, I really was too. I'm so happy that it was not because I was like, oh, let let people just be <laughs> normal. Yes. What if we had had, instead of Flora going to confront Maude, what if she had looked up Sydney and confronted Sydney? I think there would have been, yeah, I think there would have been a bigger pay. I, I was just waiting for something to drop. Yeah. Or like a payoff for why Sydney was so horrible. I was mm -hmm. like, are we going to get a backstory of why she is horrible? Because like we went, we followed David's backstory. So I was like, are we going to get a Sydney? We didn't. So it's like, yeah. yeah I mean, it was just, like very, very. It was too easy. It was very, very briefly mentioned that she didn't have a good home life, but it was like yeah. really skimmed over. Yeah. Yeah. And it was more, it was more for, for Julian's benefit than anything else. Mm -hmm to like have somebody to relate to because he also had a troubled childhood. Right. But it was just, it was so crazy. Cause like the way that they described the affair was just fully just like cold. Like it was yeah. just raw. Mm -hmm. And at that point I was like, well, if it's just, if it's just more of that, like animalistic, whatever, why did it have to be a name? If if it was if it was just that that could it have just been the Jamie thing of like it could just be any woman you know mm -hmm. okay I want to say like I feel like for every book we do have developed sort of a running well I want to develop some sort of running thing and I think we should start naming it today by saying that every book we read we call out one specific thing that was so hot. <laughs> I have a nomination for what it is in this in the book. Do you have one? Was it? I I I want to guess. Was yours when it was specifically mentioned that her co-star had her his finger on her nipple? <laughs> no, but that's a very oh, it's the full like yeah, making out with a gay man, and right at the end, he was like, "I'm I can't do this. Yeah. I have a partner named Nate." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, my my nomination for hot moment of the book was the chopping of the tree, obviously. Oh, RJ, <laughs> I could not believe that that was happening. My jaw dropped. I was like, Ellie, if you were watching a live production of saying. the Cherry Orchard and they make the decision that they will actually chop down a tree yes. and it takes him forever because yes. it is one man trying to chop a tree with probably like a very rudimentary instrument <laughs> that they probably didn't even think to sharpen no it was probably like a fire axe or something yeah. like something that was just like it's a prop but because julian is so committed to chopping down this tree what as an audience member what would you have done <laughs> i would have walked out I would have been one of the people who went to the you barbecue. You would have been one of the people that was yeah. like, you know what? Start the car. I want to drive back down to, to New Jersey Either, now. Well, okay. It depends It depends on who I'm with. If I'm yeah. there by myself, I think I probably would have left. If you I was got there, like a Groupon. You were yeah, like, I'll yeah, treat yeah. myself. I guess I'll go to Stoneham. <laughs> I, I, but if I think maybe if, if I were there with you, we would sit through the whole thing. I would be like, we have to see. We would this be the edge up. of our seats. We would be like, we, yes. And I'm glad that like they were showing that that was the side. Like it wasn't like earnest that people were like, oh, I'm really seeing. Like I'm glad it called out like this is ridiculous. Like yeah. this is ridiculous that this middle aged man is trying to chop a tree. I thought he was going to have, I thought his heart was going to stop or something like that. I was like, we've had one stroke. I don't yeah, want another one. Yeah. I was like, it's he's going to go to cardiac arrest. Um, Julian had had a stroke. And then knowing that Ruby was wants to recreate that picture. <laughs> I, if I was Margot, I'd be like, I'm never coming back here again. Like, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm never coming back. 
Oh my God. Yeah. The chopping of the tree was so, I was, I couldn't believe what I was reading. I was like, this is actually, I was like, I'm gagged. I'm, yeah. I'm back in. Well, I also couldn't understand. Okay. So the only like comparison that I have to this, which I haven't actually been to, but it was on an episode of Gossip Girl is Sleep No More. Yes. Which yes, is yes. where they walk around and, you know, it's mm-hmm. like an experiential thing. But I, what I couldn't understand was that they said that the audience would like move their blankets yeah. and chairs from scene to scene. And I was like, that seems. You're not a found theater person. You're like, I, I don't want to move. Well, in that sense, I just, I to me, it. I'm like, if it's more of like a living, breathing, like I'm, I'm constantly moving, I'm standing, I'm not really sitting down. But the idea of me having to pick up my chair like every 10 minutes and go somewhere else. <laughs> And be like, oh, okay, here's the next... Because you're never getting comfortable. Here's the next scene. It's like, oh, Hamlet's getting away. All right. Yeah. I Listen, uh, I know nothing about theater. So these plays, I was like, I don't know. Like, I when you, I, I don't know the cherry tree. I don't know. I don't know what, what was... She does crucible, a very good job of the, explaining what the cherry orchard was. It was like... This one man is trying to buy this. It's a, you know, he, she did a good job of kind of explaining in an explanatory comma what these shows were. Cause she did yeah. it for Midsummer a little bit. Um, I don't think she did it as much for the crucible, but I, I remember being like, Oh, look at you. But yeah, I just, I wanted to call out the hot tree chopping because in the last book we had a hot farmer. Um, <laughs> and then, the book before, I don't know, hot soup, just the sexual tension between yeah. those two teenagers. Hot, hot soup. <laughs> hot, hot soup. And then the one before, you know, Rachel, Rachel Bloom's just giant boobs. Sure. Heavy boobs. <laughs> heavy, bo- heavy boobs. Heavy boobs. So I'm excited to see what other books we read with, with hot moments just like this. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask, what did you think about the Ruby chapter? Of her in Spain. I I didn't need it mm-hmm. because I was like, I thought I was just trying. I understood why it was there to kind of give you a full picture of the whole five. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I get it. Because even when the David chapter, I was like, okay, I understand why we need to kind of go through what David is thinking. But... Yeah, I thought it was fine because I it I was feeling how she was feeling. Cause she was feeling that I this is gonna end this is gonna end at the end of this trip. Yeah. So I was like, okay, then <laughs> I don't need to see I don't need to see you be miserable mm-hmm. until that happens. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? Did you like Ruby? Not at all. <laughs> Oh my god. Wow, you really do hate children. <laughs> I can't, well, listen, I just take issue. I I hate it when parents are like so amazed by my child and like look mm-hmm. how smart she is and like look at how emotionally involved and blah blah. I hate that. I hate when yeah. any parent does that because I'm like it's a child, okay? Yeah. We get it. The reason why you're so impressed by it is because you made it and you're impressed with yourself. <laughs> I am such a loving person. <laughs> I think that's the main takeaway from people watching this is that you are so warm. I'm so, so sensitive. So I'm sensitive. welcoming. <laughs> Just a warm person to be around. Um, yeah, because even like even when like Ruby comes to Stoneham, um, and you know she's like he broke up with me first, so now I'm sad. I'm like, uh, girl, you. That's what you wanted, though. So I don't understand yeah. what what you're suppressed about. It was yeah. very, I, I already don't like a lot of like teen stories. So like mm-hmm. when I read Fall Love Story, I told you I was very like scared because I was like I don't, I don't I just don't want to go through angsty stuff. But like, yeah, I, uh, with Ruby, I was like I don't, I don't care. Yeah, you're going to college. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Who you are now is gonna be different than who you end up being, like your true yeah. self. This is just a a shell of this is a of pit your stop. of who. Yes, exactly. So it's like I don't know. 
That's so funny though. Oh, did you? I, I, the other thing that I want to know, did you think that Bess, the showrunner, did you think that was supposed to be a Shonda Rhimes Grey's Anatomy thing? That's what I thought or, it was. Okay. Cause it gave me, it gave me Shonda. It gave me Grace. I mean, the whole thing okay. gave me Grace Anatomy. Okay. Like, so I, I did understand that, but I, I was, I was kind of like, it took me until that last episode, filming that last episode to understand what the relationship was. Cause I feel like I just, Leading up to that, I was just like, that's just your boss. I didn't realize that, like, oh, there is more history to it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I wish we started there. It was such a weird, it was such a weird thing to start Margot's story with the interview. Cause I feel like I I never fully got the point of it. You know what I wanted? Uh how Flora and Margot met. Yeah. Like they were roommates, but and they were roommates, and they um, were roommates. <laughs> yeah, I know because we got such an intricate. We got like a beat by beat of how Flora met Julian, and a like, beat okay, by beat if, of how they all met David. Yes, and so I'm like, okay, if you're giving this much weight to how Margot has wronged you, show us why it's so important. Like, yeah, give us that first kind of like spark of like YouTube making that connection but oh my god well i will say i did still ended up enjoying the read because it was nice to not read about you know death and sure <laughs> like it was nice to kind certainly, of like have something a little bit lighter certainly lighter than the last book yeah yes exactly so i was like okay and i think like I know my personal goal of trying to read a book a month is like I was getting better at just like reading it and like still understanding. I was still taking notes and lining stuff up, but um, yeah, it was a, it was a fun little kind of like just a little, I don't know, a little snack. Yeah. <laughs> along my literary journey. Mm -hmm. I will say that um, now that my sister-in-law has me reading all of these YA books, like these fantasy, like young adult books that are like 500, 600 pages long, that when mm -hmm. I saw this was only 300 pages, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to snip snap. I'm done. A breeze. A, a, a quick, breeze. yeah. I was like, I'll read this in four days and be done. I read it in th three days. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is great. I'm really proud of myself. I'm proud of us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, okay. Uh, do you have a pick for the next book? Did you see? I sent you that New York Times article a while back. I heard about... Um, Is it Crying in H Mart? Was it that one? No, but we can read that one if you want to read that one. Which one was it? It was oh, called... It um, Possible New Book Club Pick. The Other Black Girl. Oh. Um, and it's about the, the publishing industry. Oh. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Because I, I think I know I remember like when we were talking about fall love story, there were things about like, yeah, there okay. it's about like the well and publishing world that I would like to be interested in. Yeah, and um you should read the article that I sent you if you have time. Um, but she said one of her inspirations was uh get out. And so I think it might be a little twisty. So might have a little spook. Yeah. Right? So. Perfect. Let's do it. Okay, perfect. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Our next book at the end of the month in July will be The Other Black Girl by Zakia Dalila Harris. Yep. Um, that episode will come out July 29th. So you have until now on July 29th to read that book. Great. Read that book. Read What's that happening book. on July 20th? Oh, we're having a party at work. Oh. I was like, why is that date in my head? I'm cleaning a party. All right. Well, thank Wait, you so much for watching. Oh, I yes, want to say go one ahead, more thing, ahead. and you don't necessarily need to include this, but I do want to say I never understand in books and movies and TV when people are like, I can't accept your money. I'm like, 
are you kidding me? When they were talking about like, uh, you know, saying like to Margo, like you don't have to pay for this and like the, yeah. the graduation party for Ruby. If I had a rich friend and they were offering to pay for stuff for me, I would be like, yes, please. You have the if money. If I had a friend who was a series regular at essentially great. If Ellen Pompeo was my yes! friend. <laughs> I would be like, absolutely you're absolutely. paying. Absolutely. You know how Ruby is important to your life. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Go party. I accept. I never understand that. I feel like that comes up very frequently of people being like, I could never accept your money. And I'm like, yeah. you truly don't understand millennial and culture. And it's also like she wasn't giving you like a check. She was like, yeah, let me do stuff. I think that's, right. that's, it's the acts of gifts and services that I'm like, okay, this isn't like I'm just giving money to someone. Please pay for my trip to Europe. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we need to find some Margos in our lives. Yes. Well, thank you so much for watching and listening along with us uh, on this discussion. Like we said, the next book will be The Other Black Girl. That episode will come out July 29th. So make sure you read now and, uh, don't worry, we will send you reminders if you join us on social media at The Ampliverse on Twitter and Instagram. We'll send you your uh, weekly reminders to read the book for the next book club. Um, our Discord server is also linked on this episode uh, where you can join in the conversation outside of the show with other Ampliverse fans. Finally, if you love the show and the others we do here, you, uh, and if you feel obliged, if you are a Margo, if you feel obliged to drop a tip or two, you can do that on our coffee which uh, helps support keeping the lights on in our universe. Allie, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Um, people can also find me at Harry Potter and the Anxious Millennials, um, at HP Anxious on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, we release a new episode every Monday, and it's a delight. It is a true Please delight. Please join us. Yes. Um, and you can find me uh, on RJ's Food Rocks on YouTube and all of your social media. Thank you again for joining this first episode of the Ampliverse Book Club. We will be back next month. Thank you Woo! for watching. Read on, listeners. Read on. Bye. Mm, butterfly in the sky. The Ampliverse.